David Ellis, welcome to Wolfden. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I thought we'd get s- straight into it. And um, you've been sort of quoted as saying that TRKL's success is won or lost in the sales ring. And what I wanted to do is look at Imperatriz, your horse, which is one of the fastest horses in the world. You're obviously co-owner of it. And talk about how you came, a- came about to um, get her in the sales ring and the processes involved in that, and that's going to teach us a bit about the t- what Tiako does and how Tiako's had so much success over the years. And I believe you've got like three principles that you always lean on when you go to the yearling sales. Um, do you want to talk a bit about them? Yep, for sure. So we bought um, Imperatrice at the Magic Million yearling sale. Uh, I think I bought six yearlings that year. Yeah. And uh, one of them uh, was Sorta State who looks a very exciting stallion mm-hmm. uh, in the making at Cambridge Dud. I've seen a dozen or so of his uh, foals, and they look very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of state actually beat Imperatrice each time they raced. Right. Um, and um, I never thought that um, we'd get another one uh, as good as sort of state as a racehorse. Yeah. But um, Imperatrice has certainly grown and developed uh, into a top-class mare. Uh, She won her first start in December as a two-year-old. Then she won her second start, which was a Group 2 at Ellerslie. Uh, And she's just kept improving. Imperatrice has come and swept all before her this spring. Were you quite surprised how well she was first up in the McEwen? No, not at all. She's won um, Group 1 races from... 1,200 to 1,600 metres uh, at the end of last campaign. She won a group one, 1,600 metres by five lengths. Yeah. So I don't think she's just a 1,000 or 1,200 metres. Yeah. 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 So she's going to face her biggest test this Saturday or what do people think her biggest test in the champion sprint. You've got In Secret, you know, one of the best sprinting mares in Australia, ran really well in the Everest. Um, a lot of other rock-hard Fit sprinters, how are you feeling leading into the, the champion sprint on Saturday? Well, I went out to Cranbourne to have a look at her yesterday and mm-hmm. Ben Gleeson and his team and Mark Walker have just got her looking amazing. Yeah. So um, fingers crossed, but they don't give Group 1 races away. No. They're hard to win. And do you think it is her biggest challenge of her career? Up the straight at Flemington, nowhere to hide, all those horses sort of reaching their grand final? Yeah, they... She went and galloped at uh, Flemington uh, 10 days or so ago and seemed to really enjoy it yeah. uh, and worked nicely. So, um, yeah, we've just got our fingers crossed. Yeah. And the Everest, you decided to bypass it, well documented. Were you, were you, were you ever close to taking a slot offer? Not really, um, for a variety of reasons. Um, I'm... Uh, a bit old-fashioned, and I like the Group 1 races. Uh, and um, I felt that um, she was in Melbourne. She was a very happy horse. Uh, she'd just flown over from New Zealand. She didn't need the long float trip up to Sydney. Mm-hmm. And um, then um, uh, we love it out at Cranbourne. The facilities there are the best I've seen anywhere in the world. Mm. And we just wanted to keep her there. Mm, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And so think about it, one the Everest, and you've also got I Wish I Win. And Joe Pride's been sort of throwing a, a bit of bait out to you saying, come take us on um, in the Sydney autumn. 
have you been sort of hearing that and seeing that on social media? And is will you take the bait and, and go and take them on? Um, I'm not really going to get into uh, what other trainers are saying. Yeah, we're just happy with doing our thing with yeah. our mare, and we've got the best bunch of owners and imperatrice that you could ever have, and they're having the ride of a lifetime, yeah. and uh, they're happy to leave it to um, Mark and yeah. myself and uh, my wife, who's the syndicate manager. Yeah, and have you sort of started to map out what autumn looks like, or are you just one race at a time? Uh, we're going to get through uh, Saturday mm -hmm. at Flemington, and then um, we'll sit down and have a good chat about um, what we do with her in the in the future. Um, but she'll certainly race next season, that's for certain. Would she go back to New Zealand, or would she stay here? Uh, we haven't decided that. We'll have a bit of a team talk. Uh, but normally we like to set, spell our horses at Tiark, our stud. Yeah. Um, but ones that are in Australia and they're happy, uh, we would possibly leave her over here to spell. Mm -hmm. And what about international Royal Ascot or anything like that? Yeah, all those sort of things are up for discussion. Yeah. Would Royal Ascot help her pedigree page? Um, probably would. Yeah. 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 Have you had a runner at Royal Ascot? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Torcedor, a horse I bought at Dorville. Yeah. At the Dorville sale, a Fastnet Rock colt. Uh, he won um, at um, Royal Ascot and uh, he's only beaten half a head in the St. Ledger. Yeah. He won um, the Vintage Crop Stakes okay. in Ireland, which was um, uh, a little bit of a payback because Vintage Crop was the horse that beat us with Tiakao Nick in the Melbourne Cup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that is true. Um, and just to sort of finish off Imperatrice, so you, I've seen you say that when you're at the yearling sales, things you lean on are pedigree analysis and then like trying to find an athlete. And then also the last part that you say is, is selling the horse and syndicating and stuff. And can you just talk a bit about what, why Imperatrice matched up with those kinds of things and what it was about her um, that made you buy her and obviously it's turned out very, very well? Yeah, well, um, Imperatrice um, by one of the great stallions in mm. the world. Mm. Uh, so obviously that had a lot of appeal. Yeah. Uh, and um, her whole pedigree page um, had a lot to like. Um, but when you go to the sale, you want an athlete that you can take home and enjoy being, watching her being broken in mm. and developing. Uh, I always say what they look like the day of the sale mm. is irrelevant what is very relevant is what they look like when you leg the jockey up for the first time, which can mm. be 12, 18 months later. And it's the people that can visualise how that horse right. will develop yes. that win the game of buying good horses. Yeah, so that's what. So you, there's little things that other people might miss that you feel has, has led to some success. So you can see little um, hidden things that might show that they're an athlete that then need to be developed out of them and then you see it when they're race, race fit. Well, there's... It's hard to have an advantage because there's so many very good judges mm. on a sale ground yeah. that know what they're doing. Yeah. So Tom Wilson wrote a story for Magic Millions, and he said that Tiako have um, been the most successful purchases of yearlings, purchases of yearlings over the years. And what do you put that success down to? Having a great team uh, around me. Uh, we look at um, every horse uh, in the sales. And Mark Walker mm -hmm. uh, plays a big part in that with me. And um, 
the um, chairman of New Zealand Bloodstock, Joe Walls, um, who's probably the best judge of a yearling in the world that I've seen. He looks at uh, different horses and gives me advice. And um, Marcus Corbin, who was general manager of Cambridge Dud for 30 years, yep. he looks at the yearlings with me. Yeah. So it's a really good team effort. Yeah. And then it's okay to have or find fast horses, but then you've got to get someone to ride them well. How have you found the jockeys over the years? Well, I've been really lucky that um, our stable jockey is Opie Bosson, who um, is not only a world-class rider, but um, he's a freak riding track work mm. and a really top person. And he's worked for me since he's 14 years of age. Yeah. So we've had a fantastic association a lot of fun and a lot of success along the way. Yeah, and he'll be riding Imperatrice on Saturday. Again. Absolutely. Is he out here? Is he staying out here over the over the spring carnival? Yes, he's he got rides yeah. um, tomorrow at Flemington yeah. and um, next Saturday for sure. Yeah. Um, so we go back to sort of right when it all started for you. So I believe you had no background in racing at all, right? Your family wasn't into it at all? No, my family uh, were horrified yeah. when I told them that I wanted to um, make a living out of the racing industry. Yeah. But after we've started having a few Group 1 winners, they started to become very supportive. Yeah. And um, uh, we were fortunate that uh, I even had a Group 1 winner for them. Yeah. For my mum and dad. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Which one was that? A mare called Cosmetique that beat Waverley Star. Oh, wow. In yeah. the Easter Handicap Group yeah. 1. This is going back. That's yeah. the 80s, right? 1980s? Would it be the 80s? Yes, 1986. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And so when you were growing up, was it, did you always have a strong desire to become a successful businessman when you're sort of finishing high school and university? Were you like, I have to make it in the business world? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so when did, what age were you when you thought, okay, racing's it, I'm going hard in the racing game? Well, my father said I could only leave school if I went to an agricultural school. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to a place in the Manawatu called Flockhouse, which they had 60 boys each year. And some would, you'd spend a week on the dairy farm, then a week on the sheep farm, then a week in the pine forest, then a week at the, as a fencer, mm -hmm. um, et cetera. And you'd go right round, you'd do each block uh, four or five times through the year. Right. And um, came to Easter, and the principal of the school was a guy, JJ Stewart. He was the All Black coach. Oh, right. And a pretty good All Black coach, yeah. too. Yeah. And. Um, he said, you can have Easter off. So um, my best mate and I in Auckland, we took these two girls out. They both went to um, school together and they were pretty keen, um, thrilled that I could come home because uh, in those days you couldn't uh, text, you couldn't email. Yeah. You had to write a handwritten letter yeah. to say what you were doing. Yeah. And uh, so they said, let's go to the Ellerslie races. So I went to the Ellerslie races with $12 in my pocket yeah. in 1971, and that was more than enough to buy lunch, drinks, have a few bets, and yeah. dinner that night. Unreal, unreal. And um, you wouldn't believe it, but I went home with $84. Wow. And I thought, this is the easiest way to make money <laughs> I've ever come it's across. It's uncanny. Everyone has a bet. Their first bet, it always wins, and that's why we all get hooked, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, so you, you got a little bit of a start, but and that was it. You were like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to focus on this game. And did you know nothing about horse racing? We just you I, went there completely I went to Pony Club, 
Yeah. Uh, the Howick Pony Club when I was young yeah. in yeah. Auckland. Yeah. Uh, and rode. And then I used to do a bit of hunting and I used to ride the pre-trainers that we had on the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I knew nothing about racing at mm. all. So now, you, you know, you're dealing in millions and millions of dollars. How did you get a bank together back in the sort of the mid-70s, late-70s? How did that, yeah, how did you get your start? Uh, well, I raced my first horse in 1978 mm-hmm. and um, she won a couple of minor races then. And um, when she won her first race, I, um, the trainer came up to me and said, look, I can't have a drink with you. I've got to go and saddle up my next horse in the next race. So I thought having a drink on your own um, isn't so much fun. I want to race horses with friends. Yeah. So um, in 1983, I went to um, the Trentham Yelling Sales okay. and um, bought my first horse. Yes. It was a sovereign edition filly uh, for 65000 Yeah. and we broke her in. Yeah. Um, and uh, the trainer told me, this is the slowest horse <laughs> I've ever trained. <laughs> thought, oh, my God, I haven't got off to a very good start buying horses. And had you syndicated but, it? You syndicated this one? No, no, no. So you, you just owned it out. Yeah, yeah. And um, there was um, the the brother and the sister had been winning every group races in Sydney every week. Mm-hmm. And um, Patrick Hogan, mm. uh, Sir Patrick Hogan, rang me and said, "David," he said, "I'll give you your money back on that filly that you bought." Mm-hmm. And I said, "For which leg?" And he said, no, for the whole horse. <laughs> I said, no, I wouldn't sell it for 65000 Anyway, I finished up doing a deal with him yeah. for 200000 Wow. plus a free service to Sir Tristram. Yeah. And he said I could use the free service to Sir Tristram any time in the next five years. Right. So, and was, how was, it, was Sir Tristram ascending then? Was it, you know, because he's... Yeah, he was at, at his peak. Yes, okay. And he was standing for $100,000. Oh, wow. So you got two hundred and a hundred for the slowest horse this trainer's ever. Well, I got the free service, and I had a but it's public, worth hundred, yeah. But I had a public company that came to me and said, "We've just bought a mare called Century Miss uh-huh. that's won the Golden Slipper, yeah. and we're desperate to send it to Sir Tristram." But Patrick said that the horse is full, and the only way he could get in, he went to this young farmer at Tiakau and did a deal on his service. Yeah. So they said, well, we'll give you the 100000 I said, no, I want more than that. <laughs> so I got $100,000 cash for the service yeah. and 100,000 shares in their company. Right. And what, what, what was the company? Troy what, Corporation. And what, like bloodstock or something? Yes, purely right. in bloodstock and okay. property, and um, which there were a lot of in the 1980s leading up to the share market crash. Yes. So I used to lie awake at night and think, Gee, I hope this mare gets in fold because the deal only yeah, right. ignited. So it was, it was on a live fold. Yeah. Wow. But I didn't yeah. need to worry. She had nine foals in a row. Wow. And uh, so I got the mare in foal, and Troy Corporation sent me the 100,000 plus the 100,000 shares in their company. That's a bit of money in the 80s. And the shares had gone up from a dollar to a dollar sixty by the time the mayor got in full. Yeah. So I actually got two hundred and sixty thousand yeah. for the service to Sir Tristram. Wow. Yeah. And was that is that one of the sort of the changing points for you in your career? Did that that make a big difference and, and got you really moving? Oh, it's certainly a big help. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're we're able to um, buy a bit more land. Yes. And um, 
more confidence to invest yeah. at the Trentham sales the following year. Yeah. And you talk about Patrick Hogan. So you, you've had really strong relationships with maybe the most famous person in New Zealand racing, Patrick Hogan, and then also I believe you had a really strong relationship with Tommy Smith, who's maybe the most famous person in Australian racing. I just want to hear a bit about your relationship with Patrick Hogan and did he have a – was he very – a big part of Tiako's success, like having a strong relationship with him, did it help you um, along the years? Uh, well, in the early 1990s, interest rates in New Zealand went to 22%. People just don't believe that today. People are howling, like that's 6% yeah. and everyone's howling. But, but I mean, the, I just, they I just, were 22%. I hear my parents talk about that, and I've got a mortgage. I just, it, it'd be lights out for the whole country if it went to 22%. But I don't know how you guys handled it, but I guess you did. So. So um, I thought one way I can do it is um, by adjusting broodmares yes. on the farm. And we had 70, 80 for row or a stud, which Brian Delore, a very successful stud manager, organised. And Sir Patrick Hogan gave me 100. So we 100, had... 100 mares? 100, wow. 100 mares at a time. Wow. Um, adjusting them. Yeah, okay. adjusting them. And, th- and then that... There was enough money in that to pay the 22% interest. Yeah. Wow. I presume a little bit before that, Tommy Smith, how did you become friends with him and what did you learn off him and what was he like as a, as a, as a businessman and also as a trainer? Oh, he was just a sensational person. He gave me so much good advice. Uh, I first met him actually in Honolulu. Oh, yeah. At the Royal Hawaiian Hotel mm-hmm. and he was there uh, with Gay's mum and um, uh, we went out for dinner and just got on really well. Mm-hmm. And then he used to come and stay at the farm at Tiakia Stud, and we used to go round and look at the at the yearlings together. Mm-hmm. And he was still training at this stage? Yes, he yeah. was still training, very yeah. much so. Yeah. And um, then one morning out on the farm, he said to me, David, what's that horse? And I said, he's a Grosvenor colt. He ran third in the Derby in New Zealand. He said, why don't you give that to Gator Train? Tiako Nick. And that was Tiako Nick. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so something caught his eye about Tiako Nick and he – so that's how Gay got Tiako Nick. Yes. Yeah, right. And she did a fantastic job training him and uh, it was a big thrill yeah. to be part of her first Group 1 winner. Yeah. And uh, – And he ran we, second in the Melbourne Cup, as you alluded to yep, before. Yeah. Yep. And was it the Metropolitan he won – Gay's – was that the race yes. he won for Gay? Yeah. It was the Metropolitan 1992. But um, in the autumn the following year – Gay started them in four consecutive Saturdays. Mm-hmm. He ran fourth in what was the BMW, mm-hmm. a 2,400-metre weight for age race. Mm-hmm. Ran, he won the Chairman's Handicap 2-6 the next Saturday. Mm-hmm. He ran second in the Sydney Cup the following Saturday, 3-2, and, and won the St. Ledger wow. uh, the following Saturday. Yeah. And there's not many trainers in the world that can keep a horse up yeah. To do that. And she's still doing it 30 years later. Yeah, it's she amazing. Had, had, I, don't, I know she had one winner on Saturday. I don't know if she had any more than that. Are you still in contact with her? Do you catch up with her a bit? Yes, regularly. Yeah. 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 I saw, yeah. had a good chat to her at the, on Derby Day at Flemington. And yeah. yeah. She's one in a million, isn't she? She is. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful for racing what she does. Yeah. So if we stay on the trainers and we move forward a long, long way, Jamie Richards, we did a podcast with Jamie Richards. It's a great podcast. People are really impressed with him. You had a lot of success with him um, over in New Zealand. He's obviously gone to Hong Kong now. But you put him in charge of your stable. I think it might have been a co-trainer thing to start with. 
at a very young age. What was it about him that made you think that he was ready for such a big job in his mid-twenties? Well, Jamie was working at Waikato Stud, mm -hmm. and um, uh, I knew his mother through racing administration, and um, she was actually uh, president of the Otago Racing Club, uh -huh. and his father rode for me as a jockey and won quite a few races for us. And um, so I started talking to Jamie, and I was very impressed with... Um, his knowledge, and I thought he was a very, very good judge mm -hmm. of a yearling mm -hmm. and um, of a horse, and I could see that, and I thought if we could turn that into a trainer, I th think he could make a really good trainer. So he came to work for me at 25, and he took his trainer's licence out. Yeah. yeah, so he made it happen for himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, did you guys win like six premierships? Is that right in New Zealand training premierships? Um, Something like I that. I think we've I think we've won quite a lot more than that. No, but think, when Jamie was in charge, though. Yeah, yeah. I think five might have yeah. been five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he decided to go to Hong Kong. How did you handle that? Were you did you you know obviously you would have supported it, but did you think it was a great move for him or? I was thrilled for him because um, to train in Hong Kong is one of the uh, great places in the world, mm. and um, we had a, the leading stable in Singapore mm. that um, we were happy with, um, but um, it also gave me the opportunity to bring uh, Mark Walker, um, who Mark. is a partner with me. Yeah, he's been um, at a whole everything way, hasn't he? that yeah. I do, and he's worked uh, at Tiakiao since the day he left school. Yeah. And it was great that he could come home yes. and take over. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just touched on Singapore there. Were you shocked when the government decided to shut down racing up there? Yeah. What shocked me most about Singapore is I've always regarded the government there as the best well-run country in the world. Yeah. But the way they have handled the racing side of it is simply so sad. Yeah. They... Um, for, for such a good country, the way they've handled racing is appalling. Why, why, do, you think, why do you think they've lost interest in it? Is it is an animal welfare thing or what is it? I don't think anybody knows the truth. Yeah, right. They yeah. said that the reason they're closing it down is because they need the land for housing. Yeah. The previous race course was the Bukatima Turf Club and there's still 120 acres there untouched for land development. Yeah. So I don't believe mm. that is the reason. So mm. it's quite sad the way mm. it's been handled. So Tiago's completely left there? You've got nothing left up there? Yeah, we won two races there on Saturday All right, night. All right, so you still race, you'll race yep. till the end there? Yep. Yeah, we'll race to the end. Yeah. So let's talk about taking Tiago to the world. Um, you've set yourself up in Australia in the last sort of six months or so at Cranbourne. What made you decide that it was time to grow and grow quickly and, and set up a base in Australia? Well, I went around every training track literally, in the world. Uh -huh. And by far the best was Cranbourne. Wow. By far the best. Yeah. And I'm one of these old-fashioned people. I want good facilities for my horses to be trained on. Yeah. And um, going around on a rock-hard sand every morning, it just doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And Cranbourne, they've got three course propers to gallop on. The facilities 
are just unbelievable. Mm. And it's a very, very well-run club mm -hmm. by a chief executive that stands out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so ownership are ownership opportunities open to Australians already? Like can they get involved in Tiakau horses yet or is it not you haven't actually quite mobilised that side of things yet? No, Tiakau train for everybody. Yeah. Every syndicator is welcome to have a horse with Tiakau. They're welcome to have their own colours. Any owner can have a horse with Tiakau. Yeah. Again, they can have their own colours. And um, we hope that we'll be training for a lot of the studs. Yes. Um, and um, But we'll also be buying horses yeah. uh, to win these big races. Yeah, so do you think you'd be more active in the Australian yearling sales? Have you always sort of been more active in the New Zealand sales than the Australian sales? or? Probably more active at Karaka. Yeah. Um, I've been a big fan. Uh, I'm a very proud New Zealander. Yeah. And I like supporting everything that New Zealand does. Mm. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you paid a million for a, for a yearling? Can you remember when that was? Yes, I can. And he wasn't a bad horse. Yeah. He was called Darcy Brahma. Really? Was that the first time you yep. paid a million? And it was yep. Darcy Brahma. Wow. Yep. Okay. That's a good one. He was a, a very one. good sire. Yeah. And a very good broodmare sire. Was he Redoots? Darcy Brahma? Dane Hill. Dane Hill. I'm getting yep. Yeah, okay. I'm getting Yeah. He so, had a three-quarter brother yeah. that I bought three years later called Burgundy. Yes. And uh, he um, died about four years ago. Yeah. And we thought at the time, well, that perhaps that wasn't such a big loss. But in hindsight, he was a horrendous loss. Yeah. He was a very, very good sire. Yeah. And just last season... Uh, we had the champion two-year-old by Burgundy, yeah. the Oaks winner by Burgundy, the New Zealand Cup winner by Burgundy, yeah. and the New Zealand Bloodstock Billy of the Year by Burgundy. Yeah. So he was a big loss. And when you went into that sale and paid a million for Darcy Brahma, did you have everyone lined up to, to come in with it as well, or did you have to then go and sell it to everybody who came in on it? I had to go and sell it yeah. to people. Were you nervous? Um Luckily, I don't really get nervous in the sale ring. Yeah. Um, I back myself to um, promote and sell the horses. Yes. And um, I just um, really, one funny story about Darcy Brahma. One bloke rang me five minutes after I bought the horse because it was on TV. He said, I'll take 10% of that horse. I said, okay, thank you. And took all his contact details down. And he rang me the next day and he said, my wife said, if I buy into that horse, she'll leave me. <laughs> anyway, three years he later, he, say, he, he, he was sweet. out. Wow. So yeah. three years later, I rang him and I said, look, after that horse was champion two-year-old, champion three-year-old and champion four-year-old, I sold him this morning for $10 million. Wow. He said, that's, that's, that's great to hear. My wife's gone. <laughs> wow, what a, what a loss. <laughs> And what do you make of the yearling sales at the moment? Are they the strongest you've ever seen? There's so much money at all of them. They're so competitive. I mean, you're, you're a pretty heavy hitter, but do you, especially the Australian sales, do you find them pretty hard? No. no. Uh, I pretty much can buy um, the ones that I want. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the um, racing and breeding industry in New Zealand and Australia is going through a very exciting time mm. um, with... Um, Companies like Entain mm -hmm. and Ladbrokes um, putting so much into sponsorship. Yeah. Um, stake money in New Zealand's nearly doubled, yeah. which it needed to do. But um, just on Karaka Million Night, um, we've got um, 
a race that has been 250,000. They announced on Friday that was going to 500,000. There's another two $1 million races and a $1.5 million race for the three-year-olds. Mm. So it is a very exciting time, and we've got it. Ellisley will be back racing yes. for Caracas Million Night, yeah. which is um, just great news for the whole industry. So there's lots of good things that are happening uh, in Australia and New Zealand, yeah. and all we need now is for Sydney and Melbourne to start working together yeah. and not trying to play these stupid games. Yeah. Um, of outdoing each other, yeah. and um, you know, I think the future looks really exciting. Was there a period in your career where everything's gone right, and you've had all the purchases at yearling sales have gone really well, and then the horses themselves have delivered on the racetrack? Yes. Well, um, when Jamie Richards was training for Tiarkow, uh in one season we had fifteen Group One winners. Wow! And <laughs> one afternoon at uh, Ranwick. We won two Group 1s in half an hour yes. with Probabil and Tiaki Shark. Shark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, he just did a fantastic job, um, and he will really make it, in my opinion, in Hong Kong. Yeah. might take a couple of years, yeah. but he will make it for sure. Yeah. And those that mare Probabil is one of the best mares that we've had, along with Melody Bell, who won 14 Group 1s, Imperatrice, yeah. Uh, who's won seven? Yeah. Um, Avantage, who's won nine, and Probabil, who won four. That's thirty-four Group Ones from just four horses. Yeah. So that was a big thrill that period. And are you are you willing to say one stands out above all? Do you have who's the best horse you've ever had, or is it a bit like <clears throat> deciding who's the favourite child? You can't do it. Oh. Yeah, I think that um, Probabil that we bought at Caracas is as good a horse as Tiakia's ever had. Yeah. She won both the two-year-old Cracker Million and the three-year-old Cracker Million and won races like the Epson and um, four Group 1s in Australia. But it's pretty hard to go past Imperatrice yeah. uh, at the moment, yeah. who's giving us all a thrill of a lifetime. So she it? Is she the, is she the, the best horse you've ever had? Well, you need to wait till she's finished her career. <laughs> Probably it was hard to beat. She yeah. was a very good mare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And does um, probably don't want to do this, but does the way Imperatrice is winning at the moment does it remind you at all of Black Caviar? And I'm not saying she's as good as Black Caviar, but she's just got that look about her, that X factor that she might end up being as good as her. Maybe do you think that's fair or no? I think Black Caviar's in a world of her own. Okay, yeah. But you'd be happy to be compared be, with her. Yeah, you'd be happy to be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very. And to finish off, you say that the horse racing business is the greatest business in the world. Why is it the greatest business in the world? Well, it's just so exciting. Yeah. Where else can you go uh, like Derby Day and see so many magnificent horses, yeah. uh, see so many people that are passionate about the thoroughbred, that know how well these thoroughbreds get looked after yeah. uh, and see the the, the number of parties that are there, the number of excited people. Uh, it is just one of the best industries in the world. Yeah. And when people um, protest about the horses, 
I just say you just have no idea. Yeah. These horses are looked after way better than any of your children. Yeah. yeah. There's so much hypocrisy with all those protesters that use animals in their daily life so in so many ways that they wouldn't know about. But for some reason they pick on horse racing because it has such a, a huge base for them to try and get their, their ideas heard and stuff. Yeah. All right. Long live the great game. Thank you very much for coming in. Best of luck on Saturday. We'll be cheering Imperatriz on. I love it. It's a great horse. So, yeah. Thank, Thank you. you.